very, very excited about the word the Holy Spirit gave me. He gave this to me a couple weeks ago, and I prepared you for it last week. We wrapped up the series last week, How to Love God. And while we were wrapping that up, I shared with you what Holy Spirit had shared with me about today. And the title of today's message is Womb of Faithfulness. Womb of Faithfulness. And what I want to do is help you understand this thought this morning, and that is faithfulness is the womb from which blessing is born. So write that down this morning, if you would. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that down. If you're not taking notes, I encourage you to write that down. Faithfulness is the womb from which blessing is born. You know, as I was preparing for this, uh, Holy Spirit began to draw my attention to where we have come from as we arrive at this place, this point in time celebrating 23 years of ministry uh, here in Central Florida. And I begin to simply think about all the ways that God has really blessed us and moved among us. And as I begin to think about all the ways that He has blessed the Rock of Central Florida and the people of this house, He made me aware that that only came because of faithfulness. There's a lot of people who have a blessing assigned to them, but they never walk into the, they never come into the blessing because they lack faithfulness. There has to be a seed in order to produce the fruit. And faithfulness gives birth to blessing, not the other way around. We're not blessed and then become faithful. For people that are, in fact, I'll use something that is very uh, secular, very worldly, very earthly, very tangible that people relate to, the lottery. A lot of people are looking for something. They, let me back up. There are people all over the United States or wherever they have lotteries that are never faithful in their finances. They're not faithful in their finances. From week to week, they're not, they're not being faithful over it. They can't afford to pay their electric bill, but they eat out all the time which is why they can't pay their electric bill, but they don't, put, they don't put two and two together. They're not faithful over budgeting. They're not faithful over looking at this and saying, can I afford to do this? Can I not? They're over-purchasing. They're stretching themselves out so thin they can't honor God with their finance. And they're not faithful. So they go into this thing and they look, people begin to look for a quick fix. You know, maybe I can, and I'm just going to use the lottery as one example. There are many. But they'll go and they'll start purchasing these lottery tickets. Again, they can't pay their electric bill, but they'll be standing in line buying a $5 lot. I've never bought one, so I don't know how much they are. But they'll buy a lottery ticket. They'll stand there and they'll, you know, I'll take one of those or I'll take 10 of those or I'll, I'll whatever. Meanwhile, I'm standing behind them in line thinking, okay, I see what you're driving out there. What you need more than a lottery ticket is actually you need to get a muffler on your car. And then somebody might say, well, that's kind of mean, that's kind of cruel. It, it, that's just honest. It's truth. And, and they'll buy these lottery tickets really hoping that somehow it produces something. And then sometimes they win. Sometimes people, often people win. But when they win the lottery ticket, people who were not faithful over their finances before they won it almost always lose everything they won. Because faithfulness does not follow the blessing. Blessing follows faithfulness every single time. So 
to say, what, when will Yahweh release? And when I say Yahweh, if you're new here, you've never heard that term. That's simply the Hebrew name of God. I'm talking about God. I'm not, it's not some kind of weird thing. It's the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H. I just want to help everybody understand, especially those of you that are watching online. Maybe today's the first time. But I can tell you that when the Father wants to pour out blessing to people, he made it very clear. He said, first, what I need you to do is be faithful in the little things. And then I'll reward you with faithfulness over greater things with bigger things. There's a need for us to understand again that there is something required of us called steadfastness. Called a willingness to put my feet in the ground. A willingness to say, no matter what approaches me, what I will not do is be unfaithful. As it relates to the Father, I can tell you today that when I look at Him and I consider Him from the time that I got saved, we'll, we'll touch base on this a minute, in a minute, but from the time that I got saved and I begin to consider you know, where I was headed with a relationship with Him, one thing that I knew was when I received Christ, there was an immediate love in me. Just like when I first saw my wife, there was an immediate love for her. When I first came to know Christ, immediately there was a love in me and I thought, I want, everything I do, I want to make sure I honor you and I'm faithful to you. Now, here's, here's the catch. I wasn't always faithful. There were times I messed up. There were times in my passion to be faithful to him, I didn't. I wasn't. And in those times, my prayer, my hope is, as far as I re- recall or remember, it is true, but my hope is that in all of those times that I came back and I said, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for that lapse in judgment. Forgive me for that lapse in faith. Forgive me for that lapse in faithfulness. Forgive me that somehow I got distracted by other things because my goal, my honor, my purpose, my passion is to honor you and be faithful. And here's the other thing is we don't press in to be faithful for the blessing. You need to hear me today. You should never get up in the morning and say, man, I'm going to be faithful to God and I'm going to pray and I'm going to do this because, if, because God will do this if I am. We are faithful because He is God. And then He blesses us because He is God. Do you hear me today? There are people... I don't know what kind of example to give. There are many, but I don't want to do that because it may touch different situations in this house, and I don't want to pull that out this morning. But I can tell you there are many times that we, if we're not careful, we are doing just that, and we find ourselves jumping in and saying, Father, help me to be faithful to you. I want to be faithful to you because I really need you to heal this thing. I really need you. I'm going to be faithful to you because I really need more money. I'm going to be faithful to you because I need a better job. I'm going to be, and the father says, it it isn't working like that. You're not being faithful to me for a job. You're not being faithful to me for more money. You're not even being faithful to me so you'll have a better relationship with your husband and wife. You're going to be faithful to me and out of that faithfulness, then I'm going to produce fruit in areas that you know and in areas that you don't. If it were dependent upon you and me to ask God to bless us in every area, we would come up short because we wouldn't know. (laughs) We don't always know the right questions to ask. It's true. I have no idea in what ways I need God to bless me five years from now. So if it were dependent on me to figure it out, 
Father, I'm going to be faithful because I need you to bless me in five years in this way. If it were left up to me to figure out, I'm going to get it wrong. And I might be asking for something that indeed in five years wouldn't even be a blessing. Is anybody hearing me this morning? So it is important to understand that the, the faithfulness does not be, happen because we're blessed. We're blessed by the Father because we are faithful and we are faithful in every way. So I want to touch base on a few things this morning. In what ways, I want to share in what ways faithfulness gives birth to blessing. And I want to do that in reflection over the last 23 years. And if I can, I want to take a few moments. I know that some of you have heard a few of the stories that I'm going to tell this morning. But I want to use these stories to help you see in your own personal life the different ways that, that Yahweh will turn towards you. He will turn his face towards you. And when you least expect things, suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. It is there. It is present. So even though we're celebrating 23 years of ministry here at the Rock of Central Florida uh, next week, it actually happened on October 31st. Our first Sunday was on October 31st, 1999. We met at the Homewood Suites in Lake Mary. We literally met a little bit before that in the rental home, but it was only an invitation only at that time with some people that we knew, and then it went public on October 31st, 1999. But it began actually 14 years prior to that. Faithfulness to get us to where we are began 14 years prior to that on July the 8th, 1985, 37 years ago. A little over 37 years ago, when I walked into that church in Houston, Texas, not knowing, having any idea what that evening or that moment would produce, and I walked into a room, I walked into a building, I walked into a church, and when I walked in there and I heard that preacher stand up there, that evangelist stand up there and preach the message that night, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up? And when he preached that message, all I remember is I heard Nothing else that he said except for that. And of all that he said in that message, I still only remember the title. Because it was just enough to get my attention. Because what I knew about Steve Parker was this. I have a keen sense of the genuine. I have a keen sense of the genuine. And I had seen a lot of Jesus Christ stand up that were not the real thing. I had seen people prop this Christ up in front of me that promised everything and gave nothing. And I was looking for the one that only promised what he's willing to give. And he said, will the real Jesus Christ please stand up? And I thought, you've got my attention. I don't know what else you said, but I know that those words somehow pierced the depth of who I was. And I knew that if someone other than me, knew that there was a real Jesus Christ out of the one I had seen, then there is a real Jesus Christ other than the one I had seen. If he put it in someone else besides me, and when I walked down that aisle, you know the rest of the story, ended up going to the choir room, and went into that choir room, and someone led me to Christ, that began a journey, and a decision was made in Steve Parker that day, and I said, you know what, Yahweh, or God, I'm going to serve you no matter what. I don't even know how. I don't know all the ways I'm supposed to serve you, but I'm going to figure this thing out. And I'm going to walk it out. I didn't know what it meant to hear the voice of God. 
I didn't know what that meant. In fact, I, I don't know that I'd ever heard anybody say, just listen for the voice of God. In fact, I think had I heard them say that, I would have thought, and what does it sound like? Perhaps like some of you. What I did know is that God was real. And what I did know is that he sent his son. And what I did know now is that the son he sent has now changed me and created something in me, and I cannot wait to see what that becomes. I could never have imagined on that day, standing in that choir room, after giving my heart to Christ at 19 years old, I could have never imagined on that day when I walked out of there and going to my car and saying, man, I just see all the blessings coming out of this. I could have never imagined you, and you are part of the blessing. I could have never imagined this house. I could have never imagined my wife. I could have never imagined my children or my grandbaby. I could have never imagined my uh, son-in-laws that have been added to my family. I could have never imagined any of that, and I didn't even try. All I knew was at that time, I have committed my heart and soul to Christ. And I'm going to be faithful to that walk. And there's going to be, as I knew what to do, I did it. I was faithful only over what I knew to do. The first thing he put in my heart, very distant perhaps from many of you, but the first thing he put in my heart was, he, I, I just, I, in me, I knew, Steve, don't ever pick up another cigarette and don't ever use another foul word. That's how my journey began. It wasn't, you better go get you a Bible and read it. You better start praying. He simply, in me, there was a knowing, here's my Marlboro, pack of Marlboro Reds. I'm trashing. I did. I actually took them in the church and threw them away. I'm never going to say a foul word again. I'm not sure I've kept that promise. <laughs> I might have said one a couple weeks ago when one of y'all, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I knew what he said to me, and I knew what I felt. I didn't even know it was him saying it. I just felt like, man, you know what? I want to be faithful to what he's turning me into. And he's taking this piece of clay, and he's beginning to mold it into something completely different. And if I want to look different than what I did this morning, man, I better, I better pay attention to what I sense. And I begin to take a journey. And I begin to meet with people, and I begin to separate myself from people that I love very dearly. Friends. Cousins that led me astray, that were, they were not in any way a good influence on me. But I knew that to continue walking with them, it wasn't because they were bad people, it's just that they were not people in the kingdom. And knowing if I continue to walk with them, they're not going to help me on my journey, and I want to be faithful to the call. Even though the call that I'm walking out right now is shallow, and it's, and it's not very deep, and it doesn't have a lot of chapters yet. In fact, it has a couple of sentences, but I'm going to be faithful to that, and, and I could have never imagined as I begin to do that, and then as he began to unfold different things in me and begin to show me as I was faithful, and, I, and, and I'm just using my example, yours is different, but I wasn't smoking, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't 
uh, cursing. I wasn't doing these things. And, and I begin to change and I begin to shift who my attention was and the friends that I hung out with. And as I begin to position myself in places where he could begin to more and more reveal himself to me, I begin to see the blessing of God flow. Not blessings I asked for because I didn't know to ask. But I begin to see relationships happen in my life that I could have never dreamt of. Suddenly, I was having relationships with people that I felt like I really mattered to. It wasn't a relationship of convenience. It was a relationship of purpose. I began to find out, man, I'm, I'm, I'm actually starting to feel better. I can breathe deeper. I can talk around children without using foul language and somebody saying, shh. Simple things. I begin to see the blessing of God begin to move and begin to build and begin to flow. And I never asked him, you know, show me your blessing and I'll be faithful. It was just a sense of I'm pressing into something. I've committed to something. We're going to talk about the word commit in a minute. But I'm committed to something and I'm going to move into this thing. And then at 24 years old, I was 19 when I got saved. At 24 years old, I went into uh, ministry, full-time ministry which is how I made a living and how I served God. That's when how I made my living and how I served God became one at 24 years old. And I did that in Cordell, Georgia, in a little bitty church with about 50, 60 people. And then I led a drug rehab. And I thought, you know, this is the path. What happened before that was at Bible I went to Bible college for a little bit. That's another story. But I get to Cordell, Georgia, and when I get there, and I'm standing in there, and I'm ministering, and I'm teaching, and I'm trying to do everything, and I'm leading this drug rehab, and, and everything, everything, let me tell you what it looked like. Everything in that drug rehab, everything about that ministry there, everything about the relationship that I had with the people that were there, it, there wasn't much good. I'm just being honest. It was a challenge every single day getting up. The room, the apartment that I was in, I took my kids by there, or some of you actually, when we were going camping one time, I took you by where, where I stayed, and it's terrifying, as terrifying now as it was those years ago. And I was paid $100 a week. It was a long time ago, but I was paid $100 a week. And I was driving a grocery getter station wagon, Olds Cutlass station wagon with a muffler that fell off when you went over the railroad tracks my first date with my wife that's what happened the ceiling of the car was falling down I'm telling you this for a reason it didn't look like blessing <laughs> I am struggling to pay for gas in a V8 engine of a car that is 30 feet long Filling it with Krispy Kreme donuts at every youth event. <laughs> Going to the pastor and saying, I can't, I can't, drive, I can't get to where, I'm, where you're wanting me to go because I can't afford it. And he said, well, you'll have to wait. Drive my car. There was never any help. Yet, I knew what Yahweh was doing in me. And I knew that to which he had called me. And I knew I was not going to be unfaithful to that. I'm going to be faithful. Even though these circumstances are difficult, I've got six, well, depended on the time, but six to eight drug addicts that are in this place with me. We're all crammed together. I'm supposed to be watching them, making sure they're not doing crack cocaine, which was the big thing then. They were all coming off 
They were all supposed to be coming off crack. And they're all in this room with me. They're sneaking out of the windows at night. I'm not getting any sleep. And meanwhile, I'm trying to minister to the youth. They mattered to me. It didn't matter. Didn't matter how many times they snuck out. Didn't matter how many times they cussed me out. Didn't matter how, what they did. Didn't matter what they did. They mattered to me. And I thought, Yahweh, this is what you've called me to. And I'm going to be faithful over what you've called me to. I'm going to be faithful when it's easy. And I'm going to be faithful when it's hard. And in that faithfulness, I'm not asking for the blessing. And then, then it suddenly happens. He closed the whole church down. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you the truth. When I was there, and, I'm, and it, we were eight months in, and the pastor called me up, and he said, Steve, I, or came to the apartment, and he said, Steve, i got to tell you, he said, we have to close the church. I don't remember if he told me why, but he said, we have to close the church. And, and I said, actually, he did tell me. He, he took a church in Tampa, and he said, we have to close the church. And I said, okay, where does that leave me? He said, well, you're going to have to find somewhere to go. I don't have anywhere to go. I don't know anybody in Georgia. I'm in Cordial, Georgia. If you've ever been to Cordial, Georgia, it's off 75 where the little rocket is. Nobody lives there. Nobody goes there. There's hell, and then there's Cordial. I don't mean that. There's some good people that are there. I mean some of that. But I said, okay. And I made a phone call to my home, to Houston. I made a phone call to the church where I was saved. And I said, listen, this is what happened. I need to get home. And I can't afford to get home. I don't have the money to get there. Can you help me get there? Well, what happened, Steve? Well, this happened. Well, let me tell you what we're going to do. I, I know a friend of mine that needs a youth minister, and he needs somebody with energy. I don't know that they ever put the word in there. He needs somebody with anointing. <laughs> some places it just doesn't matter. Energy is better for some. Not to me. Not to me. And I said, okay. He said, I'll reach out to him and see. And he, he did. He reached out to him. I'm going to make this story short. The man reached out to me, Steve Lenny, Pastor Steve Lenny from Houston, Texas. Katie, actually reached out to me, and he called me, and he said, I'm going to send you a plane ticket. If you can get to the airport, I'm going to fly you here, and you can try out. You can try out Sunday night. And I said, okay. I'd never tried out for anything at this point. Since then, I've tried out for a lot of things. In fact, I'm trying out right now for next year. Can you keep, let me stay next? <laughs> and I, they flew me out there, and I went out there, and I preached, and I, they received me, and, and what have you, long story short. But I could not have imagined, let me wrap this part up. I could not have imagined those years ago, 37 years ago, I could not have imagined all the ways that Yahweh began to bless. And through faithfulness in Cordial. I mean, it is hard to explain to you the difficulty those eight months were. And what I kept being told by people, whether it was family or other ministries or other preachers is, this is just ministry. It's just ministry. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I can do this. I can't. I can't even eat. 
I'm not getting a paid. I'm getting $100 a week. It takes all of that to fill the tank on this car. I'm hoping that a family in the church will invite me over to have dinner. And I'm thankful for the Rabin family because they invited me over all the time, but they had an ulterior motive. They had a daughter. It's true. But the mom could cook. So there was a little bit of, could it be? In fact, I found in, my, in a box in my office recently, I found an old cassette from that family because they were, they were singers and they sang and they would travel and sing and, and I found a cassette from the radio. It made me think of them. But I was faithful. And in all of that, all I kept thinking to myself was, you know, God, I don't know how all this works. I'm still figuring this out. I'm still so immature in my mind and in my spirit. I trip over myself all the time. I... Don't make the right decision. When I do make the right decision, I feel good about it. When I don't make the right decision, I carry that with me and I let it burden me and weigh me down and it prevents me from making the next decision well. And I'd sit there and I would pray and I would ask God, really, you know, help me to stay the course. Because this is what you've called me to. All the while, all the voices, Steve, is it really worth it? Yes. Somehow in me, somehow there's something in me that says, Steve, don't get off course. And I remained faithful. And he blessed me, and I went to Houston, to Katy. Went on staff at a church there, praise and worship leader. Believe that they're desperate. They put me in that position. A youth pastor. Then went from there to, uh, to Tennessee, where I met my wife. But every one of those steps was the blessing of God. See, Cordell wouldn't have happened if I was not faithful over his word to me five years earlier. I make a decision today to serve you. I choose to be faithful come hell or high water. I choose to be faithful no matter what man does in front of me. I'm not going to trip over other people's mistakes. Listen, some of y'all need to hear that. Some of y'all have tripped over other men's or women's decisions, whether in ministry or out of ministry. You're still tripping over it. Oh, man, I got disenlightened with ministry in the kingdom because somebody did this or that. You're tripping over someone else's mistake. Listen, I'm going to tell you, get up. Get up. Don't be faithful because someone else does it well. Be faithful because you want to do it well. And... He blessed me. Cordell was a blessing for that faithfulness. Grace Assembly was a blessing for Cordell. Church of the Harvest was a blessing for Grace Assembly. The Rock of Panama City was the blessing for the faithfulness at Church of the Harvest. And the Rock of Central Florida is a blessing for the faithfulness in Panama City. And it goes on and on and on. I want to read this morning out of Matthew chapter 24, so turn with me there if you would. He'll, they'll put it up on the screen as well. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. 
Blessed is that servant who his master will find doing what he asked him to do when he comes. I want to give you, I want to take a little walk down memory lane for a moment. And I'm hoping that some of these stories will help you hear and see parts and pieces of your life to remind you that when the mountain rises up, the mountain isn't there to get in your way. It's there to help you. It gives you more ground to walk on. Hear me. You're, in, you're on your journey, and sometimes in the church world and in religion, we're like, oh, suddenly there's this big mountain, and we can't get over this mountain. And, and all the while, the Father's saying, it's, it's not the enemy. I put that mountain there because I had somewhere I need you to spend a lot of time, and it's going to take you a little longer to get over that. I have a work to do. So on your mountain, be faithful. When you're going through the valley... You think the enemy put the valley there. The enemy didn't put the valley there. I put the valley there. I put it there so you could spend a little time there. You think when you're in the wilderness and you're wondering where you're going to get your next meal, he said, don't think the enemy put that wilderness there. I put the wilderness there so that you'd be still and have to listen for my voice. That's what faithfulness looks like. It's walking through it and it's not blaming other people for the moments that you're trying to figure out. It's walking through that valley and it's walking through that wilderness and it's going over that mountain and recognizing the whole time, I'm rejoicing in the mountain. I'm rejoicing in the valley. I'm rejoicing in the wilderness. I'm rejoicing in the desert. Wherever I find myself, I'm rejoicing in it. Why? Because I'm faithful to you. I'm not going to look at the desert and say, oh, God hates me. I'm going to look at the desert and say, God loves me so much. He knows I need heat. It's time for cooking. Whatever it might be. Who then is faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Man, blessed is that servant. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to look at you this morning. I'm going to say, blessed are you when when the father's looking and he finds you being faithful over whatever food he's put on your plate. Blessed are you when he comes looking and he finds that in your hand are the tools. Not, you're not looking at them, but you're using whatever tools he gave you, even if they're different from the tools of the man or the woman that are beside you. Blessing is born out of the womb of faithfulness. And we need to understand it's through that faithfulness that God begins to do amazing and miraculous, miraculous things. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. I think you need to say that with me. Commit your work, Commit your work to, the Lord, to the Lord and your plans. And your plans. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. And your plans will be established. That word commit, do you know what that word means? The definition of that word commit is to bind or to be pledged to something. To bind to something or to be pledged to something. Commit. Your work to the Lord. I bind who I am to the Father. I pledge who I am to the Father. I pledge myself to Him. I pledge what's in me to Him. Whatever is here, it belongs to Him. I pledge myself to Him. And there is nothing that can break that pledge. When we are bound and we become one, He is in me and I am in Him. And when we become one, nothing can separate that. When Kim and I moved to Central Florida... And we were coming here, and I began to consider that. I, I, this morning, I was looking, and I just wrote down some names, and I, I, I missed names. I'm sure there's not names that are on this list. They're not missed intentionally, but I just wrote names. And I was thinking this morning, man, I am a witness this morning to how the Father 
joins and binds and knits a people together for purpose. And I'm a witness to how when he binds them together, how they begin to change the environment and the culture that is all around them. When we came here, we didn't come here with very many people. We came here with our family and then a few friends. But Jimmy, Jenny, Ryan, and Kimberly Kerner, Russell, Kat, well, let me back up. When we started the Rock of Central Florida and we began that and we, we were in the hotel, the only people that were in that hotel with us were people that came from Panama City. And we would have visitors weekly that would come. It was the same three visitors every week for six weeks. And we were thinking, okay, something has to change here. Because it was, it, it, let, me, let me back up. It wasn't the same three visitors. It was three visitors every week, but never the same. See, that's a big, big difference. So you're thinking, okay, no one is getting it. No one's getting it or we're not delivering it. How is this going to work out, Yahweh? But you know what? Even in the middle of that, we're going to be faithful. And then we begin to grow, and he began to bring people. And, and, and they, uh, Jessica Meinhofer was one of the very first people, and, and I don't remember what her maiden name is, but she wasn't married at the time, but it's Meinhofer now. But Jessica Meinhofer was one of the first ones to come to the hotel. She's still very familiar with everybody here. She still communicates on Facebook. And Jessica, she moved away for college and has stayed away. But Jessica, was, she came and she engaged and she became a part and then she brought her mother and then she brought a friend and, and, and we began to grow. And then we went to the storefront over on 1792 in Lake Mary over there by, uh, I don't know if there's still a big lots there or not, but over there by what used to be Winn-Dixie and then it became a big lots. And we went there and when we got to the storefront and we opened the doors and there were just a handful of us, it wasn't long before when I looked out over the congregation, it wasn't just Jimmy and Jenny and Ryan and Kimberly Kerner that I saw, but then Russell and Kathy and Shelby Wheatley and then Tim, Liz, Alex and Kaylee, Dar they were all Darnells back then, uh, Darnell, John and Denise Lou and Angel Hoagland, Eva Maniscalco, Karen and Matt Hoffman. Joe did not come for a few years after that. Uh, Tim Carney and Joyce Mara and James and Shaviv Haley and Jamesy. And then later on when we got to the, to the movie theater, J.B. Padgett and Karen, Scott Noble, Tom, Denise, Gabriel. Well, actually Tom, Denise and Scott came when we were over on 1792. But some of these folks, they begin to come and, and they begin to enter in. Curleen Davidson, I look around the room, Donna Scott when we're here. And, and then the Phillips as we begin to come. And I could go all around this room and I can look and I can tell you what all of you are. You didn't stumble into this place. You are the blessing of God following the faithfulness of a people to walk out his word and his promise. Amen. Yes, sir. Some of y'all's names have changed, but the face is the same. <laughs> But, you know, I, I look back at the times when we're going into, the, into that storefront and we're watching that grow and, and the different responses of people and, and I, uh, just seeing how people would respond to different things. And I'll never forget, and I'll tell you a funny story that I've told before. Is Angel Hoagland here this morning? She's probably watching online today. But I'm going to tell a story on Angel. And, I mean, when I think about the people that have been here for so long, and I remember Angel coming the first time with her daughters, and when she came... That very first time, she was really upset because I did not read a Bible scripture until towards the end of my message. And she came from the school where the first thing that you do is you read the Bible. 
Then you preach. You have nothing to say until you read a verse. So she came from that school. And when she came on this particular day, she came up after service and she said, now remember, this is the first time I'd ever met this woman. So I had no idea who she was. If you've ever met Angel, she's a unique individual, very interesting and wonderful. And she comes up to me after service and she said, it's a good thing you read that Bible verse after, church, uh, after the end of your message. Because if you hadn't read a Bible verse, I wasn't coming back next Sunday. Or I was not coming back. And I said, it, it, it stirred up a righteous judgment in me, man. And I said, well, good. Come back next week. I'm not reading out of the Bible at all. Just for you. And you know what? She, that's how you build a church right there. You tell people, I'm not reading out of the Bible. I don't care if you came or not. Bless God. Go read Bible on your time. On my time, I'm preaching. But you know what she did? She came back the next Sunday. She brought her daughters, and she's faithful here. She's still here today. All the, 23 years later, she's still here today. 22 years later, she's still here today. We've had people that have come to the house that were faithful from the very beginning, and they've gone on to be with, with Yahweh. They've transitioned, you know, their spirit separated from their body, and they're with a the father today. I can tell you that there is, there is just when I consider all of these places and all of these things and, and how Yahweh used Kim and me to begin to walk this out, but it could be said that it's because of our faithfulness. I can tell you it begins there. It begins with one choice, and then it builds from that. So it isn't the decision that Steve and Kim made ultimately all together. I can tell you the first decision was to come to Central Florida. That's a decision that we had to make. But since that decision was made, it's the, the decisions that all of you have made to be faithful that has added to what the Rock of Central Florida represents and who it is today. It is because of the faithfulness of a people that we walk in the blessing that we walk in today. I can tell you that the building that we're in, the chairs you're sitting on, the carpet you stand on, the walls that are painted, the lights that are blinding me right now, the, the live stream that we have every single week, all of those things that we do to reach people that are near and to reach people that are far, are, we're able to do that because of the blessing of God, because of the faithfulness of a people. Because I can tell you, Stephen Kim Parker would not be able to afford to do all of this on our own. But through the faithfulness of a people... We are reaching the nations for the kingdom of God. I, I want to look back one more time, do this little thing. You've heard this. Many of you have heard this. Some of you have not heard this story. But when we bought this land, and I, and I have to rehearse this again, because to me, one of the most powerful times and seasons, we've had many, 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 but one of the most powerful was the first understanding that the resources, in the resources in the hands of God are always greater than whatever measure we have in resources in our mind. Every time. When we came to Central Florida, my spiritual father out of the Rock of Panama City, F. Nolan Ball, called when we were here. In fact, we had, ju we had just started meeting in the storefront. And he called me one day, and he said to me, he said, Steve, you know, he's got a deep voice. Those of you that met him, he had a deep voice. He passed away a few years ago, but he's got a deep voice and white hair. I mean, he's intimidating just to be around. But he had this commanding voice. I mean, when he spoke, you just wanted to hear it. You wanted to hear what he had to say, but you really wanted to hear the tones. It's like, wow, I want to talk like that. I want to talk like that. 
can't even, I can't even begin to pretend. But he called me one day and he said, Steve, he said, I want to do something for you. He said, you've been a faithful son. And he said, I want to send you a $100,000 check so that you can go buy some land and you can build a building. And I was quiet. And he said, um, are you afraid? Now, you have, to understand, you have to know him to know that this is a normal question for him. He said, are you afraid of $100,000? I said, what do you mean? He said, you're not accepting it. And I said, sir, I'm not afraid of you sending me $100,000. But I've not been in this land long enough to know what to do with it. I'm afraid that if you send it, I'm going to do something with it that is outside the purpose of God. So I decline the $100,000, but I'm thankful. Man, I had, he told all of the other brothers that I walked with up there, and they were calling me, man, you're an idiot, man. You're just a... <laughs> and then I felt like an idiot. Then I felt like, oh, that was stupid. Can I call him back and say, send it? But all I knew was that in my heart, I knew that if he, if I had accepted that 100000 I would have bought some land. I'd have been faithful over that. But it would not have been this land. You're going to understand why in a moment. It would have been land somewhere, probably in Oviedo. <laughs> somewhere like, yeah, and somewhere like, oh. Because that's where we were looking. But I knew if I received this, I didn't even understand all the reasons why. I just understood this as I said to him. I said, sir, if you send me that money, I'm going to buy land, but it's not going to be the right land. I don't know this land yet, and he has not identified the, pl- the space yet. When he does, I'll let you know. But it didn't matter because he withdrew the offer, and it, he never sent $100,000 ever. <laughs> but then it was about a year after that. A year later, maybe a little bit more, I, I'm trying to remember now, I don't remember exactly, but I'm going to tell this quickly. But we're driving down 46, we were taking a family in the church out to what used to be Dixie Stampede, uh, Dixie, not Stampede, but Crossroads out in Mount Dora. Some of y'all remember that place, it was fantastic, I don't know why it went out of business. But we were driving out there to Dixie Crossroads out in Mount Dora. It was New Year's, it was right at the beginning of the year. And we're driving by, and we see this plot of land that this building's sitting on right now. It's 11 acres. We see this plot of land. It is completely treed over. There's a little bitty fence out there somewhere, and it's completely treed over. It just looks like a forest. That's what it looked like. And we drove by, and I looked over at it, and I said to my wife and to the couple we were with, I said, man, that's the place. We need to build a church on that land right there. And then the person we were with, one of the guys, the men we were with, he said, it's not for sale. So, man, but we need to build a church. We went, we drove by, didn't talk about it, not even five minutes. Drove, we went and ate, had a great meal, shrimp and what have you. Man, they're hush puppies. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, we drove out of there. We left there. I'm hungry. Let's go eat. And um, drove out of there. We left. One year later, one year later, we are, same thing, same couple. We're driving past. We're driving out there going to. Dixie Crossroads, and we, we're, we go by this land, and I said to them, I said, oh, my gosh, there's that land. Man, that just calls to me. I'm telling you, that is a great place. That's the place for the Rock of Central Florida. Well, Steve, it's still not for sale. I, tell, I don't care. That's the place. And we get out there. We eat. We leave. We go home, and don't think about it. Don't discuss it again. We get up. I get my wife up early the next morning, or she gets me up. I don't know. It's probably that way. And we get up that next Saturday, that Saturday morning or whatever it was, and, 
And I said to her, I said, let's load the kids up. They were all little. I said, let's load the kids up. I've got to go to that land. I have to go walk on that land. And she said, okay. We get the kids in the truck, in the van. We load them up. We drive up here. And when we pull up, there's a lady out there on the front, that fence, that little piece of fence that they had out there. There's a lady out there putting up for sale signs. Excuse me, Apostle Ball, can you send that $100,000 now? <laughs> so I called that number. I got out and I talked to the lady, and then uh, she actually ended up being the daughter of the man who owned the land, Noah DeFelco, who used to own the nursery right down here on the corner of Orange Boulevard in 46. Lived in Ocala. Uh, did. I don't know if he still does. But anyway, I called him up and I said, Mr. De- I said, sir, this is Steve Parker. I'm the pastor of The Rock. I'd like to buy that land that you're selling. And he said, okay. He said, it's $1.1 million. And I said, I'll give you 300000 for it. And we did not have, I have notes how much money we had at the time, but I want to say it was like 600 bucks in the bank. Maybe at the time. Maybe. Maybe. Listen, we, that was a time in the, in the life of this ministry when my wife and I, on numerous occasions, had to pay the rent for the building, personally. That's probably the first time most of you have ever heard that. And, but we did because we were faithful. And we, he said, no, Steve, he said, I appreciate it, but it's $1.1 million. And I said, sir, or he said, I don't believe, I said, sir, whether you sell me that land or the person you sell that land to sells me that land is irrelevant to me. All I know is I am going to own that land and I'm going to build the Rock of Central Florida on it. And he said, well, I don't believe in that God stuff. When you come up with 1.1 million, call me back. <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. I called again my spiritual father, F. Nolan Ball, in Panama City, and I told him what happened, and he said, Steve, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and sit down with that man, and I want you to tell him your story and see what God can do. It's like, oh, my Lord. (laughs) So I called him back, and I said, sir, I'm just going to share some God stuff with you. You know, uh, my pastor told me that I need to do this. My apostle told me I need to do this. And he said, okay, I'll give you five minutes. He said, you can drive. This is my address in Ocala. You can drive there. Long story short, I drive there. I go in there. I walk in. We have a short conversation. And he said, again, I'm telling you, I'm firm, 1.1 million. And I said, can I just share my story? And he said, you've got five minutes. And I begin to share my story. And as I begin to share my story, I literally sitting there. I'm watching tears begin to flow down his eyes. And I'm thinking, it doesn't make anyone else cry. <laughs> it makes everyone else mad. But I'm sharing the story, and he's tears rolling down his eyes, and he literally pulls a napkin over sitting at his kitchen table, and he writes something down. I don't know what he's writing down, but he's writing something on a napkin. I think we might still have that. But he slides that napkin over to me, and he says, Are you tax exempt? And I knew as soon as he asked that question, I knew, Holy Spirit, you have done a miracle. And I said, in fact, we are tax exempt. He said, and you're willing to pay what for this land? I said, $300,000. And I said, sir, I can tell you right now, I only have $600. (coughs) 
And I was very honest with him. And he said, if you can get me $50,000, put $50,000 in my hand by next Monday. If you can do that, I will sell you this land for $300,000 and write off the rest of it. Now, I know we can say, wow, and amazing, and it is. But it's still $300,000. Even beyond that, in one week, $50,000. So you know what I did? I went to the people of whom I just spoke their names. And I stood before those people. And I said to them, I'm not the guy, and anybody that knows me knows, I'm not the guy that stands up and says, you know what, we have a great need and this is what we're going to do. You, you've not heard me do that in the years you've been here, with the exception of once or twice. And I said, there's a place. And we had taken a, I don't know how we got it, but we had a picture of the land and we put it up on the overhead projector. How many remember that? <laughs> put the land up on the overhead projector, that old-fashioned whatever. And little Adam Hoagland is the one doing all the little things, you know. And I said, but this is the land. And this is the story. We can get this for $300,000. <laughs> but to do that, it's going to cost us $50,000 by tomorrow because now it's the following Sunday. And I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put, whether or not the word, this is the word of the Lord, I'm going to put it in your hands. Do not do anything that Yahweh has not spoken to you to do, or God, I think we said then. But do not do anything that God has not spoken to you. Do not be coerced. Do not be manipulated. I want you to do what's in your heart. And if it is right for us, if this is the land, he will provide it. If it is not, we'll keep moving. We took up the offering that day, and all I want to tell you is the next morning I walked, I went over to Ocala, to that man's house on that little bitty ranch, and I put in his hand a check with a contract for $50,000. When you look today, when you look today at where we are, you're seated in a building. Wrapped in walls that are air-conditioned. Seated on seats that are three inches thick, for crying out loud. <laughs> Able to hear and be comfortable while we, you receive, the, sometimes too comfortable, while we receive the ministry of the gospel. We're able to gather, we're able to laugh, we're able to celebrate, and you're able to do that on the land that is our bread. Yeah. On the land... That the Father promised to us the place He spoke and delivered into the hands of a faithful people. The blessing follows faithfulness. Bless you. Come on, girl. Run. <laughs> Bless you.
Well, we're gathering today not because we were blessed and then we were faithful. Be seated. You can be seated. We're gathering today because we were faithful and then he blessed. As I said, 20 or 37 years ago, when I came to know Christ, there was no possibility I could have ever looked down the road and thought, this is what the blessing will look like. It's going to look like a bunch of people gathered together at 6641 West State Road 46 in Sanford, Florida. It's going to look like a bunch of people that in, an, in an every other way would have never found themselves gathered together for any reason. It's going to look like a black folk and a white folk and a Hispanic folk and an Asian folk. We need more Asians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> would have never guessed. Would have never been able to say this is what it looks like. You know why? Because... There's no way he's going to show the blessing until first he finds us faithful. There's no way, Peggy, he's going to show us what the blessing is until at first he finds us faithful. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who honor and love him. And then Numbers 32 says, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, commits himself to God, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. I can tell you that my position 37 years ago, my wife's position the day we met, the position of the people of this house as we move forward, our pledge and our commitment is this, Father, without even knowing what the blessing will be, we will remain faithful. When the mountains rise up, when the valleys show up, when the wilderness is there, and when the desert is in front of us, we will be faithful. We will be faithful. We're not asking for the blessing. We're simply saying, Father, show us the way, and we will continue to walk in it. So what's next? Let me tell you, I just wrote down five things, and then I want to remind you of the vision of this house from the very beginning. What's next? There's something that's been in my heart. I don't know that I've ever shared publicly in this house other than with my wife and my kids and maybe the presbytery in times past. But I want a Spanish ministry that's going out from the walls of this house. I want this church used to touch the languages of everyone around us. I want to see a Spanish ministry going out of this house. I want to see outreach, us doing outreach in strategic ways to our ministry. What does that mean? That means filling in the cracks. If you pick out 10 churches, 10 of those, 10, 10, all 10 of those churches will be overlapping, doing the exact same thing, ministering to the exact same people every week. But there are cracks where people aren't ministered to. There are places where people are getting no attention and they're just wondering, well, is it because we're in the wrong neighborhood? Is it because we're in the wrong place? Is it because we go to the wrong thing? Whatever. I want Holy Spirit to show us how to fulfill our purpose of outreach and ministering to this community by helping us be the ones faithful to fill in the cracks, the places where others don't go or haven't gone. Not because they don't want to, maybe they don't know, or maybe it's not their calling, but there are cracks that need to be filled. It's my heart. To provide kingdom education through online resources that are developed in this house. 
It's been in my heart for a long time. In fact, if you look at my whiteboard in my office right now, it says right there that there are classes. I want online classes. I want to create instructional videos. I want to give people an opportunity that throughout the week they can go and they can learn what does it mean to tithe? What is, what is the kingdom? When you say kingdom, what it, when you say Yahweh or Yeshua, what does that mean? I want people to be able to go and have a resource, an easy, accessible resource they can share. They can understand. They can know. What does it mean to receive Christ? When I receive Christ, what can I expect? To give them that place. And it's still in my heart today to have a bank that is rooted and founded in kingdom principles that reach people's current banking, reach people that current banking isn't interested in. I want a bank in that lobby. I want to help over, literally help elevate those who are overlooked every single day because banks don't like who, where they're coming from. And I want to create a highly, extremely, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly visible community presence. You can't go, I don't want anybody to be able to go anywhere and not know who the rock is. Because if they know who the rock is, then they also know who Christ is. Because everything we do, we do with Christ through us and in us. All of this. All of this and so much more. We have the school. We've seen so many things happen. I want to see that expand. I want to see the increase. I want to see our ability to minister to the community continue to unfold. But I'm not asking God for that. Because if I asked Him, Father, just, you know, get us a building over here. It's a desire. But if I ask Him, get us a building over here, it's going to be the wrong building. It won't meet the needs. But to say, Father, we're, you know what's in our heart because what's in our hearts, what's in your heart. If we'll be faithful to you, you're going you're to provide the pathway and you're going to provide the blueprint. But all of this, to fulfill the vision of this house, which is to equip people to become the standard of God's kingdom in the earth, to lead by demonstration, and to transform our land for the glory of God. I'm going to tell you, that was our heart. On October 31st, 1999. And that is our heart. What's the date today? I don't know what it is. 20, October 23rd, 2022. I want you to remember this. Blessing does not follow. I mean, faithfulness does not follow blessing. Blessing follows faithfulness. And blessing isn't. If you're going after the blessing, you're going after something that might not even be intended for you. But man, if you will just... Let me tell you, get up every morning and say, Father, I see everything that's in front of me and I recognize it. But you know what? I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to walk through it. Whether it's easy or whether it's hard, I'm going to walk through it. I'm not going to let hard dissuade me. I'm not going to let hard send me somewhere. I'm going to keep moving. And I'm going to keep being faithful. I'm going to be keep being loyal to the vision, loyal to the purpose, and I'm going to watch you begin to do the miraculous because that's where God does the miraculous. He does the miraculous among the faithful. He does the miraculous among the faithful. You are a faithful people. I did all of that this morning because they're not going to give me the opportunity next Sunday. My grandbaby thought that was funny. But I wanted to say to you today that everything that the Rock of Central Florida is today, we would not be any of that 
without the anointing of Christ, neither would we be any of this without the faithfulness of a people. Because Yahweh shows himself mighty through people. Through people. And what we do in every